ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, we're back once again for another episode of Trapped Under Plastic, the podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiast, and we are coming to you from our individual basements today, separating ourselves as to not get crap in the comment section, but also just for the good of humanity. (laughs) It's about six of one, half dozen of the other, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. We're, We're trying it out. We're seeing if it works. We're concerned that it's going to affect our ability to interact in a meaningful way and to kind of have that fun charisma that we like to think exists in our podcast. (laughs) Maybe it doesn't exist. (laughs) We tell each each other that it does so we can keep doing this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's our biggest, like, hesitation with this, isn't it? It's like, oh, gosh, we just like just talking like we're hanging out and face-to-face and those things. And doing this virtually makes us a little nervous. So, right. you know, let us know, you know, in the comments, what do you guys think? And, and if you're going to be like, yeah, it isn't as good, just be honest with us. I mean, it may take yeah. us a couple episodes. Hopefully, you know, this is all over in a couple episodes and we don't have to worry about it. But bear with us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, who, someone does have something to gain from this working out. Uh if uh, if this does work out, this virtual style of recording the podcast, my wife is going to be thrilled because she wants to move us away from Minnesota to the Pacific Northwest or somewhere. So, well, just you, John, just have her. Um, uh, well, we'll screw it up on purpose. Then is what what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> she edits the podcast, so I think uh, this plan is. <laughs> <laughs> it's already screwed before it's hatched. <laughs> right. Dang it. Um, we got any stories today, John? Oh, yeah. Uh, why, yeah. Why, why don't you talk about the um, the L.A. class? You know, last, yeah. epi- uh, last episode we were talking about, you know, things are probably going to change. We're not sure how they're going to change, what it's going to look like. But now we have mm-hmm. some more details to share. Yeah, two weeks ago, the situation was different than it is now. Uh, so we changed the California class to be October 17th and 18th pushing it back a couple months. Um, so if you are already signed up for that class, you got an email from me explaining the change. And uh, yeah, we just pushed it back because of uh, the coronavirus. Hopefully it'll be more calm in the future and we can be, we'll be able to travel. Um, only time will tell. It's, it's slowing down all of our plans. We wanted to do like four classes this year and I, we're definitely not gonna be able to do that, um, which is okay. Yeah, um, if, but we were looking forward to getting better at teaching and uh, you know, experiencing that and seeing and seeing more people out and wherever they live. Yeah, if we can get two done this year, I would consider it a victory. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. More than likely, it might just be this one this year. But you know, I mean, if things stay on the uptick and we're seeing some positive things around the country in the U.S. here and and around the world, yeah, it's still not all sunshine and butterflies, but we're seeing some light at the end of the tunnel and you know, we'll, if we're not going to have a, you know, a bunch this year, we'll start planning and get them scheduled for 2021. And so Mm -hmm. folks will get plenty of notice if we're going to be in their neck of the woods. Um, there are, are, but they can sign up for those October seats, right? Absolutely. There are four seats left for that class. Yeah. Um, so yeah, still got some space um and maybe by next year there'll be a new miniature we're painting what are you talking about i got a little something something in the works um just started uh getting some concepts done for a new miniature and that is all i'm going to say about it so i'll keep it a surprise yeah big surprise scott only likes two kinds of miniatures one's vampire (laughs) and the other one is wood elves so you're ruining it right now stop (laughs) 
<laughs> listeners, um, of the, this isn't news to in the listeners of the podcast here, Scott. So, right. I no, mean, yeah. I, it, I mean, an elf could be a million different things. So, sure. I'll assume yeah. that whatever this elf ends up being is is not going to be what we expect from a traditional right, uh, elf. I, right. I didn't share. I didn't share the concept art with you yet. Um, I, I, I mean, you didn't, but I got the email from being one of your patrons. Oh, duh. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, <laughs> okay. All right. Mm-hmm. Never mind. Cat's out of the bag. Yeah. Um, quarantine spending. John wanted to talk about what you have been stress buying during this time. Yeah. And it is, it is not a small amount. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are you buying? Uh, anything. Um, so, okay. So I'm, I'm curious how others are, are taking this time, um, in regards to spending or lack thereof. Can't go to friendly local hobby store. Even if they're open, you probably shouldn't be, you know, you want to support them, find out if they do curbside delivery or you can order. Um, I just got, I saw on Facebook yesterday, the source is doing that. Now they're setting up a web store in Minnesota here and they'll deliver. So you can just call in or email in your orders. Dude, I could get delivery dominoes and delivery minis. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, I I mean, if I get bored one day, so I get kind of stir crazy and I need to just like get in my truck and drive sometimes. Not anywhere. I don't actually end up anywhere. (laughs) I don't leave my vehicle. But I kind of, I kind of want to just order something from them, have it delivered to your house and then find out when it's going to get delivered and then just show up and take it. (laughs) <laughs> like the i'm never aware of it like you just appear and then leave with, right <laughs> with minis okay. it's just an arm full of games workshop boxes and he's like what is happening I'm like, i remember my- ordering an entire other army of ocr bone reapers <laughs> <laughs> no i own all those now this is part of the stress bending um uh, it's you know if these giants come through and they're cool who baby four models new army dude you are the the kind of person who's always about that new thing on the block and you're always about getting that new army. When are you going to pump the brakes here, John? Well, I think I, I blame, I blame Vinci V and Tom from Warhammer weekly. Cause every Wednesday I watch their show and they just are, get me so excited about every single thing. Like they're just like, oh yeah, we're talking about oh, we made these conversions of these crazy cities of Sigmar armies that don't use any stupid looking humans and this kind of stuff. <laughs> they're just like all badass in the in the history and the lore and the reasoning behind why Tom's new Lumineth elves aren't gonna be made with those models and it's totally true to his, you know, like hypothetical reason why they would be this way. And so it gets me like, oh, Different models, different armies. So I blame them. Different ideas. Ideas, right? Ideas. I got nothing but time for ideas right now. So I'm curious if others are spending a lot of money these days. (laughs) Because I sure am. Um, I bought a new airbrush. Uh, I bought bought that Iwata Eclipse Mm -hmm. um, HPCS. Um, I own two airbrushes. One is the Sotar 2020 which is the uh, well second one I've ever bought. The first one was an old Posh. It was a piece of garbage, and <laughs> I got rid of that thing. We had the, you and I had that same Posh, remember? Oh, the 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 one that's like yellow or golden or whatever. Yep. yep. Dang it! What's that one called? I can't remember. But yeah, I still I still have mine. I 
And you know what? And I think like, gosh, that thing was a piece of garbage. But in hindsight, it was my first airbrush and I probably didn't know what the hell I was doing. And if I still had it now, it would probably just be fine. So I have a Sotar, which is great, but it's tiny, tiny needle and tiny, tiny cup. So I, it's like, is not ideal for, you know, painting you kind of your everyday use. Right. Um, yeah. I, I did a test with the Sotar. I think I told you about this where it was like, let's see how fast it takes to empty a full cup of white primer with the four different airbrushes. And like the, the Patriot like blew through it in like 15 seconds. And then like in between in the middle were the HPCS and the, uh, the harder and steambeck evolution and then i didn't even finish the sotar one <laughs> after like two minutes of just holding the trigger down because i was like this is taking so freaking long so for volume the sotar yeah it definitely struggles but that, that makes sense yeah it makes sense so then i bought oh maybe six months ago i bought a cheap masters <laughs> airbrush with the purpose of using that for just like quick blasting out primer and then right running enamels and oils and stuff through it like so if i destroy it and i bust through those o-rings i don't give a shit it was okay. eight nineteen dollars but then after using that i'm like gosh i sure would be nice if i had a more everyday use one that i can use do larger work with instead of having to bust out the sotar and so i'm like ah, i just want the best one so i bought mm-hmm. that and yeah. I'm, I'm still waiting for my quick disconnect to come in the mail so I haven't actually used it yet. It's sitting over there in the box. So I bought yeah, that. I mean, might be a while before that shows up. I'm, I hope soon. I got the airbrush super fast. I got my those little like that what I called a prison shank. You know that little <laughs> the, the nozzle cleaner. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I got that in the mail in like three days, but I haven't gotten my quick disconnect yet. So that's we're gonna waiting on that. So I did that. Okay. I bought some. You know, we had some adepticant stuff that was going on um so i tried to help out some companies i bought some random things here and there and i put in a big order at p3 i don't think i told you about this yet no you haven't a lot of these things i didn't know so uh, after every single thing you said i was like okay he's done now and i can start talking then you just kept saying things that you just kept buying and i was like god damn john yeah i didn't I'm not done. <laughs> I remember when you were like, I need to buy something. And I was like, oh, okay. And then you're like, oh, I'll buy that that, mon- that, that Minotaur model that I like, uh, the Ogroid uh, yeah. Thermitage um, or whatever it is. Myrmidon. Uh, Myrmidon. And I thought it was like a good idea to me and that, that was the last I heard of it. And then all of a sudden you bought an airbrush and then a million other things. Uh, you, buy that, you buy that book too, didn't you? The Color Mixing Bible? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. So John sent this book to me, the color mixing Bible, which was, uh, um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I've read it at this point. Well, not the entirety of it, but 80% of the book is all, uh, just mixing colors with other colors. So mm-hmm. uh, think of it this way, a chapter about all about oils and it's like, okay, here is the yellow oil color. And here is a massive chart about what happens when I mix it with this color and then there's like a bazillion rows mixing yellow with a bazillion different colors and then like the row going down is like what happens when the yellow i'm mixing isn't pure yellow and it's like yellow mixed with white or yellow mixed with black and so it's like oils they do that same thing for like red yellow blue purple they do the same thing with gouache same thing for watercolor same thing for um acrylic it's freaking crazy but the first 30 pages of the book have really 
really valuable information in it, and I really liked reading that stuff. Yeah, it's it's heavy stuff, but it's also not yeah. like just expanded upon to a level that is just overwhelming like most of these books do. It's like yeah. they'll take a section that this one this book will cover in three paragraphs and they'll spend a chapter on it. And so it's it's kind of nice where it's succinct, but it still gives you a lot of that depth and in a really nice way. So yeah, that's I bought that too. So P three three had a sale, so I bought I bought the rest of the P three range that I didn't own. <laughs> well, okay, so that puts you at two paint ranges now. You have the monument paints, and you also have P three. Well, you mean like full ranges, or just like a ton of? Yeah, full or close enough to full. Well, I scale seventy five. I I would oh. say I have the basically the full GW range. I've got full Pro Acryl range. Okay, I've got okay. Chimera, P3. Uh, when the Kickstarter comes for Nocturna, I'll have that full set. Oh, my God. And then I got a, <laughs> a bunch. I probably have 50 Vallejo paints, but they have so many that I don't count that as close to Boy. the range. Damn, son. That is wild. It's. I don't. I don't. I think I need to be done doing that. Don't you? Buying paints? Yeah. Yeah, you probably could have stopped after two ranges, maybe. I'll go back to Vinci V. As long as I have less than him, then I don't feel bad about myself. Because that <laughs> dude's got every paint. Every paint. Um. Well, okay. So, okay. Talking about buying stuff while we're all cooped up in our houses. Um, my life is virtually the same as it, as it was before this all happened. Um, I work from home with my wife, and I'm still doing that work continues as normal. Um, so because my life seems pretty much unchanged, I haven't been buying a whole lot of anything. Um, honestly, I, th- this, this is the kind of environment where I thrive. I, I love, I'm a homebody. I love staying at home and playing video games and playing board games. Me and Amber just started playing, uh, seven wonders duel, which is an adaptation of the board game, seven wonders, but for two players, and so far she's beaten me three times and I've beaten her once. Uh, so she's, she's crushing me, but great game for two players. If you're looking for a game for two players, uh, seven wonders duel, we are really enjoying that. So I really like this staying home, watching movies and stuff like that. So because of that, because I don't feel like my life has been disrupted in any way, I feel like that's probably why I'm not buying a whole lot of anything other than that book. Okay. I got a question about the game. Yeah. So it's, that's a, a competitive game. It's one V one, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so do you guys do well or enjoy playing games against each other like that? I think we're learning how to do it in the right way. Um, uh, there are times when Amber knows the right play to make, but she's like, "I don't want to like hurt your feelings." And I'm like, <laughs> "I'm like, listen, listen, play to win. I'll be okay." <laughs> and then she plays to win and crushes me. Um, and then like you know, yeah. In the beginning, it was like. There was a little, there's a little bit of that toxicity or it's like, you know, winning feels bad or uh, losing really hard uh, feels bad also. But I think, I think we're fine. We, we both enjoy it. So we're okay. All right. You're, so the moral of this story is you're much more mature than myself and my wife because <laughs> <laughs> we can't, we can't play competitive games Be, because I am, I am cutthroat and I will, I am playing to win. And she is playing to have fun. And so, yeah. which will kind of lead 
I mean, is a segue that we're a ways off from of what the topic of this uh, episode is today. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. she, yeah, she just was like, want to have fun. We're there to relax. It's something that's a, you know, it's a, it's a hobby, it's recreation and it should be treated as such. And I just have a long history of playing games to win. And that's how I have fun. I have fun because I won. <laughs> um, and that doesn't, that doesn't go well. And so we're kind of oil and water. She gets mad and I'm mad that she's mad. And then it's like table is flipped and it's terrible. So, yeah, that's tough. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm a, a hybrid of wanting to play to win, but also being okay with losing. I think, when I was young and I was like super into competitive FPS games and like everything I played, I like was playing to win. I think I've, as I get a little bit older and I realize that the, the idea of being a, a pro at every single game that I play is absolutely ridiculous. That I have to be okay yeah. with losing. That has transferred over into other areas of my life, like, like board games. I'm able to lose and not show that I am having a miserable time. <laughs> uh, the nice thing I'm is... I'm having a miserable time, but... Yeah. 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 I prefer to win. Who doesn't prefer to win? Right. Everyone um, wants to win, 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 win. Exactly. Exactly. So what we do is, luckily, there's enough uh, space in the gaming realm these days that we can find uh, cooperative games. And cooperative games work really well. Um, it's kind of the, also the part of the reason why my wife won't, what doesn't want to play D and D with me DMing. Cause she thinks it's me against the players. <laughs> and I'm, I'm actually working right now into, um, building a D and D game for my daughter. So we just got to do a bunch of stuff for, for school every day. Like I tell you what, like this kid's at home crap, dude, I don't know what the expectation is for us to keep these kids like educated and keep them on track while we're also trying to do our jobs from home. It's like, good luck. So I'm like, how can I integrate some stuff that she's got to do for school um, with the reading and the math and the level of stuff that she's at into something that's fun. And so I'm, I'm building a D and D game and maybe I can get my wife to play with that after I get Lou excited and Lou playing. And then maybe she'll convince her mom for, for us because i can never convince her (laughs) (laughs) that sounds like a really cool way to learn as a kid having it built into an experience like that that'll be awesome if you ever kind of figure out how to do that that kind of sounds like more work on your plate though it is you know but you know there's something about work on your plate that excites you and that you see the value of in the in the payoff and the combination of payoff plus fun that makes mm-hmm. it seem worth it. Yeah. And that's the kind of stuff, let's be frank, most of us in a given day, think about how many minutes or hours you spent where you're not really doing much. You're sitting on your phone, you're scrolling through stuff, you're blah, 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 Facebook, you're, you know, just dinking around. Yeah. And, and that's hours, like, look, we all need to relax and all that kind of stuff and de-stress. But that's the thing, if you were taking that time and pushing it to something that excites you and, and you will have fun with, then it's not... It's not necessarily more wasted hours, okay. But yeah, so so that that's kind of an offshoot of what what we have been buying. Of course, the going back to the actual purchasing thing, there's all this stuff swirling around about the fact that uh, Games Workshop factories aren't running, so the 
the product that's out there in online stores is all the product there will be until that gets kicking again. And so if you want something, you should go out and order it and you should get it now because if you don't now, who knows when you will and that kind of stuff. So I don't know how much of a shortage or kind of, um, you know, like emergency buying or whatever, um, is going on for folks with that. But I know that that's something that I've heard about. And I don't know if there is a shortage on product out there in stores online and eBay right now, but I don't know. Something something else. Um, let's talk about what we painted in these last couple of weeks. Um, I'll go first. Sure. Um, I know in last, uh, podcast episode, I talked about Drazar, uh, my golden demon entry, and I said I hadn't started yet on the Copper NMM, um, but then I showed pictures of the Copper NMM. Um, so what I worked on was Drazar. I finished the body to 100%. And it was, actually, okay, this is a weird thing. And I want to talk about this in a video at some point, kind of wax poetic about it. But like probably for the last four years of painting, I've painted everything and then I'll either say in a video I'll hedge I'll be like this isn't the best I can do and I know that um or I'll just think it in my head and so it's really really strange in a foreign feeling to paint something and be like this is the best that I can do right now and it's not a matter of skill it's almost a matter of willingness like how 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 much willpower do I have to continue to either strip this part and repaint it, which I did do on a few things, um, uh, or just keep keep applying layers and layers and layers of paint until it gets 0.001% better, until it hits that 100%, whatever it is. It's, it's a really interesting thought experiment. And so I, basically what I did was I painted the model to where I would normally stop for any given miniature, mm-hmm. and then I went back part after part, like doing the smallest increments possible. I started on his foot. And did his shin, did his knee, I did his thigh, and each element. When I was done, I was like, "Okay, this is the best left foot that I have ever painted in my life. Let's move <laughs> on to the shin." <laughs> and so I did that until the entire body was done, and it was very labor intensive because it's the biggest part of the model is his mm-hmm. body. Yeah. But his body is done, and I have now begun working on his arms. Um, I started working on his van brace, more copper NMM. Um, still thinking about what I'm going to do with the blades. Um, but he's put aside for now. Um, and I, uh, started working on some slaves to darkness, uh, for a video that came out, uh, recently, uh, where I came up with the paint scheme for the new, uh, chaos warrior miniatures. Um, Mm. and that was a quick speed paint. Each model was 25 to 30 minutes painting. Um, so really quick and dirty, but that's it. That's what I painted. I, I really dig those the slave to darkness that you did in in a way that there really is some interest and some depth to the color especially adding the the shades to that armor it does it does so much in a way that didn't cost you a a ton of hours to to produce yeah yeah it's yeah the power of the airbrush man that took me to do purple and green ink um i don't know it's like a minute and a half per 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 color and you could be even faster if you were like trained with it Mm -hmm. um so yeah, I really like that approach uh, where it's like, I want to come up with an army. I'm going to practice my scheme over three miniatures and, and time it and then like see where I can save time and tweak things. And you're kind of experimenting in this space where it's like, okay, this is, this is not the final thing. I'm experimenting here. I'm figuring it out. I really like that. And I've never done it before until 
these uh, two videos where I did it. I've never done it in real life, but I think moving forward, I'm definitely going to do that for, for future armies if I have the opportunity to with like, my vampires and stuff. I thought when I first saw that the video and the premise of it before I had watched it, I kind of had thought that your plan was to do that test for color scheme with the with the point of using that color scheme for your vampire army. I thought that's uh, what you were going to do. And I was like, oh, that's a smart idea. He gets to test out his that, vampire army scheme. Yeah, That crossed my mind. I was like, I should actually get value out of this and practice what I want to paint the vampires to be. Yeah, I, I probably should have done that. I, I I was like, okay. But then I had a, then it kind of put more pressure into thinking of a scheme that I'm really going to like for my vampires. And I was like, screw it. I'm going to go with this thing that I've been thinking about for a while, which was the silver and purple and green. Yeah, that you're not so like attached to it long term right and so you can just Correct. you can just act you don't have to overthink and commit <laughs> That's very true commit i mean certain point at a certain point you're gonna have to commit but that day isn't yet today so <laughs> yeah so how about you what'd you paint um oh i wanted to go before i talk about me i wanted sure. to mention something about your drazar too like yeah how does that i see i've when i've painted stuff for competition it's, in, it's typically in a different kind of boat than your situation with Drazar. I don't ever get to the point where I feel like this is the best I could paint because I'm like, this is the as good as I can do it based on the timeline coming up soon, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And so you didn't put that on yourself, that you actually no. just like put the, the, you know, the flag in the ground to be like, this is as good as I can paint. And that's pretty heavy yeah. to think about. It is heavy. Um, did, yeah. that, did, did that make you – what did that – when you kind of finished a section, you're like, this is it. Did it make you like frustrated? Did it make you feel like relieved? Did it make you feel like you could like, okay, now I'm excited to push. What do I need to do that would make it better if I got better? I'm curious, like what was your takeaway after that? I think a a few things are going on here. It's, I get a source of pride from it because I, I believe that the model looks good. The body looks good. Um, I'm really happy with the copper NMM. I'm happy with the white. Uh, I feel like the red isn't as good as other people that I see, like uh, uh, Gareth Nicholas. Um, he's kind of like the god of painting reds. Maybe it's not great to compare to him. Um, so yeah, a little bit of pride that like, hey, I, I put I put my all into this and it looks it looks good. Um, but also it's it's uh, level setting or ego setting, whatever it is, because it's like while this is the best that I can do and I do, and I am proud of it, there are other people out there that can paint better than me, probably with less effort that I have said to myself, either out loud or just with my id, said things like, oh, I can paint that good if I had the time. Yeah. And the reality is, is that I can't. I can't paint that good. So I have th- some things to learn. So it, it, was, it was a little bit of ego death uh, in that regard too. Just kind of being honest with myself and being like, you are not at the level of X person yet, given infinite time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's tough. And then what you say, okay, if, I, if I'm going to be there, take the next step to be there, what do I do to do that? Yeah, that's another interesting question. Yeah, I had a period of my hobby life where I was like, really all about learning and educating myself. It was like in, it was in like 2016. I was like surfing blogs like crazy and, and doing other things like that. And I had a period like where I leveled up and there was a growing pain. So where it's like, mm-hmm. Oh man, this sucks to paint. I'm terrible at all this stuff. And I've kind of hit that next point. Maybe I'm plateauing a little bit where I'm not educating myself at all. I'm not trying to 
go super crazy with learning new stuff and new styles and I'm kind of settling into a rhythm here. Maybe what I need is another, another growing pain situation. I think if you, I mean, this is easier to say and harder to actually like just follow through on, but I think if you could do a Drazar every other week, not, not that specific model, but I mean the process that you did, right. Where you just like, you tried as hard as you could. And even if it wasn't on the whole model, he's just like, I'm just going to try to make this sword, the best sword that I can paint. And the rest of the model, like, I want to finish it or whatever. If you could do that every week or every other week, I think you'd get there. I mean, I know know you'd get there, actually. It's a matter of how long before you'd like, hit that next level up is we don't know how much xp that is it's it's a hidden number (laughs) (laughs) it's a hidden it's a hidden number for all of us but i think it'd do it the the issue is is if you recognize that what steps you need to active proactively take to to accomplish that and are you willing to do that are you capable are you able to based on your your life your time whatever maybe for scott right now because Scott is so busy with so many things and the way the world is right now doesn't affect his, his work stream. Maybe not, but maybe some of our sprues and spruettes, if you're at a different point where it's like, I'm, I'm cut back on hours or I'm work from home or I don't have work right now. Maybe you could do those levels up now and you'd get to, you know, the next point to where once live life is back to a little bit more normal again you will have feeling like, oh, I took advantage of this time to level up my painting um, because I recognized what I needed to do to do it, and I was trying it every week or every day or whatever I wanted to set myself to. So, paint a Drazar every day, like Scott. Every day, yeah. If you got that time, I like that challenge a lot. Just grab a miniature and paint a portion of it, or the whole thing doesn't matter what. But paint a portion, paint a mini, and be like, this is the best X that I can do right now. Mm-hmm. And just keep keep painting it and keep painting it and keep painting it until you just can't, until you're just done, until either you're artistically exhausted or until you're like, I don't know what else to do. And say, this is the best thing I can paint at this point in my life. Yeah. Um, just keep doing that. That's a, that's a fun, I don't know if I call it a fun challenge. It's a rewarding challenge and a difficult one for sure. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, th- I think so too. I think so too. I think... Times like these, this relates back to our talks of uh, earlier on in our in our podcast life about paint on mini every day, um, yeah. and that's something we haven't talked about in recent podcast episodes. And so, I should probably also say other catchphrases we haven't used lately, like <laughs> meat and <laughs> potatoes. Cash in? Yeah, meat. Oh yeah, meat and potatoes. Get those. Meat. Man, that kind of expired, eh? Meat and potatoes. <laughs> Yeah, it did. Well, you know, you those things, they're perishable. If you don't eat your meat and potatoes, <laughs> they're going to get moldy in your fridge. Uh, so you got to make sure we got to we got to say it every episode. Otherwise, they get moldy. Um, finger paint your monkey. <laughs> oh, right, finger paint yeah, your monkey. Yeah. Got to have a list here. Just got to run through it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you if you if you can work on that paint on mini every day, I would say that's that's more important than this kind of like hyper challenge we're giving you guys mm. you know, giving me a challenge <laughs> um and this so it paints on mini every day okay in this time if you're able to um if if you're if you're working 
in the public and you're super stressed out and you're super tired at the end of the day, you're working 10, 12, 14, 16 hours. Um, I work in healthcare. I know a lot of folks at work that, I mean, they, there's no way they have the energy to do this at the end of the day. And I don't expect them to, but if you have the capacity to paint, um, paint on many every day, number one challenge. The second would be, I'm going to paint this week is my goal is I'm going to paint the best sword I could possibly paint. I'm going to give myself a week to do it and see how, see how great I can make it. And then next week, I'm going to put this entire mini down because I'm so sick of looking at it. Let's be frank. We get to that point. We get sick of looking at that model, find something else. I'm just going to paint the leather pants on this model. It's best I can do. And that's challenge the second. So decide what, which challenge you want to take. Um, between now and our next episode two weeks from now and we will check your work we will grade you we will grade you we will we'll get out the red pens we'll chastise you yeah you can you can submit it for critique uh if you're a member of the patreon you can submit it there and then we can we can bring it up and tear it down (laughs) uh in our critique section in the in the after party all right. Oh, all that, and I didn't get to what I painted. Okay. Yeah. No, we've been we've been taking our time. Yeah. Slow ride. Take it easy. <laughs> Take it easy. Um. Earlier today, my my seven year old daughter said, "Dad, do you even know who Billie Eilish is?" Whoa. And I was like, "Ouch." Rip. <laughs> Wait. Hold on. Your seven year old knows who Billie Eilish is. Yeah. She. I, she. She's kind of a music fanatic. She knows and can memorize songs and sing them kind of like a, a mockingbird. Um, but she, she's, you know, when you're a kid, like you don't think of the words like you, sure, you yeah, don't sh- bad guy. Yeah. She can, she sings bad guy and she doesn't know exactly what questionable all the words lyrics. are. <laughs> right. Yeah. Very questionable. Um, but she, uh, she knows who she is. And so I told her I'm the bad guy and she thought it was pretty funny. So, oh, okay. Nice. Um, so what I've been painting, I painted more D and D characters. So I'm going to show them oh. up, show them up on the screen. Um, I like that. I this, like that. This is, this is one I think I've shown before. It's my kingdom death model. And the butcher. Uh, oh no, he's over here. Here's the butcher. Um, but I painted more D and D models cause it was kind of like, I was, I was after the, um, depression of, of Adepticon had waned a little bit. I, I got a new depression and that was, we can't play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh. Um, and so we, as a group decided, um, even though technically we could, and technically all of us um, are quarantined and working from home and don't have any connections to other folks. And we're, you know, in that, you know, we're 98% sure we're all good. But we still wanted to be responsible people. And you, you know, you have to make the decisions, even if they're not the fun decision, that you'd want others to make, even if you think it's fine for you. So we decided we're not going to play D&D. Um, we're looking at going through Fantasy Grounds for online. And so we're going to probably start that next Friday. It's not going to be the same, but whatever. So to deal with my depression of d and I'm like, I'm going to paint more of our characters. And so when we get back to play together, we'll have all painted characters. And so I painted my buddies. Um, his artificer from a guild ball mini. Uh, more guild ball minis I paint, the more I really like them. I just, other than all the damn belts and shit, they have so many belts and buckles. <laughs> Dude, also in regards to D and D models, that could be sick. Uh, 
we both discovered that brand that Roman Lapot used for the Night Watch. Yeah. No, what's that brand called? Uh, Bear, Red Bear, Red something? I have it still saved up here with like stuff in my cart on their website. So, <laughs> um, Yeah, that brand is sick. Redbox Games. Redbox Games. You described it perfectly when you're like, this is like a higher quality Simon game, Zombicide-esque style miniature. The yep. details are crisper. Yep. Um, I'm trying to find something to buy because I they they got some good stuff that I would I would enjoy painting quite a bit. Yeah, we should put together an order. <laughs> All right. Wait, is it not U.S.? It's somewhere else. Is it in Europe? Yeah, it is. I'm almost positive. Okay. Yeah, we'll put together an order. We'll get something. We'll, we'll do it. We'll put together an order here. We'll put together an order from the source. Have it delivered at your house. I scoop them. <laughs> I scoop them up in the middle of the night while you're sleeping from your doorstep. <laughs> But you're buying too much stuff. I shouldn't condone this. <laughs> um, <laughs> I also started painting my um, terrain piece for my Ozark Bone Reapers. So all airbrush. Okay, huge. Yeah, and that's and there. You think that's big? Then there's this thing. That's the base thing that that goes on. Jeez. Yeah. Oh yeah. The sicker you throw out in the middle of the table at the beginning of the game, and you're like, I'm ready to <laughs> rock. <laughs> so I just used some desaturated greens, greenish grays to just do the stone all in airbrush first. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm going to gonna brush paint the bones quickly. And I use some kind of wash. Oh, shit. I just dropped it. <laughs> 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 On to the other models that I brought over here. So everything got knocked over. And hopefully no chips, no chips. Anyway. Um, so... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna enamel wash it, uh, get some grunge, some grime. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take something, steal something from your Slaves to Darkness video, and I'm going to run through the airbrush some Citadel shades of funky colors, just like weird distortion of filters of these weird colors, like a crimson or a camel green or a yellow and weird spots all around the stone. So it, it has some more interest and more depth to it, but I don't have to take it, yes. take a ton of time to create that. So, right. Do you know what the artsy fartsy term for that is? No, I don't. Nuance. <laughs> God, I, everyone always uses that word. I love the nuance of this piece. We we have a nuanced society, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. That's what that I've been painting. Train piece was as big as a freaking like microphone. <laughs> it's just like you're holding it. And it was like a cucumber. It's like giant. Na- yeah, this thing is like eight inches tall, and then the actual like board part of it is like nine by nine inches Dang. squared. It's stupid. Okay. Okay. <sighs> All right. The discussion for today talking about improvement and also having fun with your hobby and if the two are mutually exclusive or not can you have fun while also improving or can you not um and oftentimes with questions like this that kind of pose an absolute the answer is probably somewhere in the between and it probably depends on what kind of person you are but let's dive into it john you got some you got some thoughts yeah i'm gonna start with uh uh, a a a point or a direction from this that i think is going to be somewhat controversial um so so i'm gonna start on the far 
side. I'm not going to say far left or far right because I don't want you to get any kind of something in your head that 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 phrase will cause you to trigger or whatever. But (laughs) right. I'm going to start on one far side. And then I think we can decide how much we pull back from that or don't. Okay. Okay. I am going to say that for most of us, most personality types, the actual act of painting in the moment when we are trying to improve is much less fun than if we are simply painting for relaxing fun. If I'm trying to sit down and throw some paint on and not stress too hard and relax for the day, that's more fun. If I'm trying to improve, it shouldn't be in the moment fun because I should be actively trying to improve. I should be really focused. I should be locked in. I should have my shoulders tense. I should be really involved. And if my brain is focusing on that, my brain is not experiencing a traditional fun. Now, the fun will happen. The fun will happen after that two-hour painting session when I put it down and I finished the calf muscle. <laughs> and it looks great. Then I get that wave of euphoria, of, of relief, of pride, of whatever. Now, that may not happen after every two-hour session because I could have been spending a whole bunch of time getting stuff to the butthole phase of the painting project, and I didn't have any fun. But if I keep at it, I'll get there. If you're actively trying to get better and improve your painting, if you're trying to level up, like we talked about earlier, the -the in-the-moment painting will not be something that you can sit and just like absorb and have the fun because you are too focused to worry about fun right there. That is my point. Okay. Um, I think you and I are similar, and I think there are people in the world that aren't similar to us, and I'm going to make the distinction, I think, right now. When you're playing Dota multiplayer and you are bad at it because we're both bad at it. Yes, we are. Are you not having a good time? I'm having, I'm having moments of good time followed by a wave of stress. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Maybe a better question. The average enjoyment level when you when you compare it to the average enjoyment level of a painting session where you're trying to improve, which one's higher? I'd say probably I'd say probably Dota. Okay, the point I'm trying to make here is that Yeah, you lost me. Please please help. Personally, a lot of the painting process isn't enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. The beginning, the middle, the best part is the end when it looks good, hopefully. Whereas when I play video games and I'm always trying to get better at video games constantly, I'm always like what every time I play a, a MOBA game, whatever one I want to play after every single match, I'm constantly thinking about what went wrong. How could I fix what I did? I used to watch replays of my own games to see where I wasn't being efficient with my time and very little of that time spent was not enjoyed yeah, uh, it's when I'm losing, I'm getting crushed. That's I don't enjoy that. And my team is like, you know, dropping the ball, or I'm dropping the ball. That's not fun. But what I'm trying to say is that I think 
my answer to this question is skewed by the fact that I don't, I don't, a lot of the painting process is not enjoyable in the first place. And that's a, a personal problem that I think I need to probably fix. Um, so I would agree with you in saying that if someone's trying to get better and they're causing that their mental disruption in their typical day-to-day process, it's going to, by definition, not be enjoyable. Uh, but for someone who views painting miniatures, like I view playing video games, maybe that answer is different. Hmm. And I'm not saying that when you look back at it in retrospect that you don't look fondly upon the whole painting experience of this particular model. Like when you look back at your time with Threzar, you're you're going to say, yeah, there was a lot of just like, oh my gosh, it was a lot of work and it was a lot of stress mm-hmm. and it was figuring stuff out and feeling that I'm not as good as I want to be. But overall, I think you'll your brain and the emotional connection you'll have to the piece is its final outcome. And that's yeah. what that's what I think what drives or keeps people that and, and I agree with you it's not everybody. It keeps people with the mindset that you and I have to go back to the next model. Yeah. Because if 80% of our painting experience is not what you categorize as fun, why would you go do it again? I don't know. <laughs> right? Why would you do it again? It's because you It's know, my job. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it's the I think it's that satisfaction is all kind of like built up and is built up and we don't get to do We don't get to experience it. We don't get to have it. We don't get to have our dessert until the very end. And then it's like 17 Dairy Queen cakes and you get them all at once. <laughs> you get them all at once. Ah. And so you, yeah, ex- I know there's some truth to that. And then you're just like, yes. And then every time you look at that model, every time that you, you scroll through your Instagram feed or you post it for whatever, or you play it in the game you don't get to see all the stuff up to that. All you get to see is that final product. And that is enough for most of us, especially us that are going to continue to paint or have been painting for years. It's what keeps us in it. It's enough of a motivator and a desire to want to do more. And I'm not saying you shouldn't find places of fun and find places of, of and acknowledge those places of, of enjoying it. Um, I'll, uh, here's a good example. And I'm spending a ton of time on painting a big model and I know it's going to take me a hundred hours or more. When I can get a, a nice wet blend in the moment and it's smooth as heck. And I know I'm not gonna have to do another layer of that wet blend again. That is enjoyable. I take, I take the five seconds and I look at that and I'm like, look what I did. <laughs> yeah. When I also, similar to that when a paint scheme starts to come together that can feel really good as well yeah i'm with you yeah it's like oh my gosh that kind of desaturated pink who would have thought that it works so good i'm just loving how the whole model is coming together when the extra colors are put on on the model absolutely absolutely um i definitely yeah i can i can look back into my my painting backlog and times when i painted certain things where you kind of get to that 80% completion and it starts to like really come together and look really nice because all of your color ideas came together and they look really nice. And, and once you start painting more details in the model, all the other micro problems start to fade away and, yep. and then the mini looks cool. Um, so yeah, I can, I can understand yeah. that feeling. That feeling of like, it was like one or two hours ago, I felt like I am a terrible painter and this all looks like garbage and I don't know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And 
you just kept at it. And suddenly something happens two hours later and you look at that same ending and you're like, whoa, okay, all right. This is actually, uh, this isn't garbage. All right, I'm going to keep going. You know what? You know what I want to do? Hmm. I want to make a poll and I'm going to give it to the, the viewers here. And it's going to be a question about how much of the painting process you enjoy. And it's going to be 0%, 10, 20, 30, 40, all up to 100%. And I'm, I'm curious where the majority is going to lie. If people are going to assess that they enjoy 50% of the process, 20%, 80%, like whatever it is. So in the, the, in the show notes for this video, if you're listening, or if you're on YouTube in the description, there's going to be a link to a poll that I want you to answer the question, how much percent of a paint job do you enjoy the, the process of painting? What could we use that data for? I don't think we need to necessarily have the answer right now, but I think we could come up with something that, yeah. what, what do we do with that? I think there is something, there's some value and some, some use for that data. And even if it's just like that's stage one of us getting into something deeper here, um, I, th- I think it's going to have value. So yeah. Awesome. I, yeah. I think, I think what the outcome of the question may show is that people don't enjoy the majority of the process. And then what that, what may lead from that, uh, is that maybe we need, <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous. Maybe we need experiments, not experiments, uh, exercises to run, to increase our enjoyment of something that we should already enjoy in the first place. Right. Um, that sounds totally ass backwards because like, if I have to do exercises, I'm not going to enjoy that, but just maybe the exercises are just how to get in the right frame of mind so that you enjoy what you're doing. Uh, just, you know, all of it or the majority of it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. That'd be interesting to think about what that would even look like. I, I think that's a good direction to consider it from, to consider this information from though. Like what, okay. If it, I, mean, I think from there we'd have to delve into not only what percentage, but can we be more specific as to what areas of the, per, of, of that, let's say 70% you don't enjoy. What are those areas? Can we get more detailed information? And then maybe we can dissect. We're finding that 90% of people, they hate the base coat stage right whatever whatever it is anyway yeah and and how do we address that is there a way to address that that makes us paint more is it makes us enjoy painting more is it 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 actually is there a different techniques or philosophy to that stage because something i've been finding lately and i haven't been doing this for like like hardcore painting right now but the dnd minis that i just showed you um other than the butcher were all painted in a base, the base level stages with, um, primary and secondary colors all on my palette. I don't have a paint scheme. I don't have an idea in mind, but on my palette is every possible color I could need through mixing. And I'm just throwing stuff on it and I'm just not focusing on how good it's going to look or how it's all going to come together in the end or what colors are going to go where, but I have access in this, in these paints on my palette and you could use whatever paints you want just throw a bunch of paints on there and you, you you take the 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 pressure and the frustration of color choice and all that stuff out of your brain and you just worry about just getting basic colors on there and building up natural highlights and shadows in those tones from the get-go without focusing on making everything super detailed and super Mm -hmm. crisp and super precise at the beginning because more of these like pro painters that i and amazing painters that i watch and see their their kind of 
works in progress steps, they're not, they're not pretty. They're not clean. They're not smooth at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So why should I focus on that? Why shouldn't I start focus on building like a dynamic piece from square one instead of a clean piece from square one? So that's something that yeah. I've been starting to try that I think to, to kind of recognize that I don't enjoy those, those steps and, and go with it. Um, part, yeah. I have more fun with that. I haven't done it to a piece I'm going to like really, really try my all in because then it's like, I don't know when to transition. When I tra- transition to like front, fun, free flowing, kind of banshee style, I, I kind of think it comes from a, a banshee or even a Roman Lapot style of mm-hmm. freedom from the get go. I don't know how to transition from that to like, I need to make it look like I need to win the award, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a great question. Um, I've always thought that like the ultimate, like an area where I would like to be better or like, uh, if possible, I could accomplish this. This is like where if I can slap on quick and dirty highlights on a miniature, whether it's like a giant bust or something smaller and have the model totally read as what it's supposed to look like in the end without blending at all. To me, that's the ultimate sign of you totally understand not totally, but you have a really good understanding of volumetric highlighting and shading based on, you know, the shape of the thing, what material it is, where your light source is. If I could do that, like you're saying in that fun stage, get those, those, those quick and dirty highlights down and have the thing read as, you know, you know, have, you know, read as what it's supposed to be. That'd be amazing. Um, I'm not entirely there. When I ever try to do that, it's always kind of ends up messy and I always need to do a lot of that refining. Um, but that could probably increase the joy. If I just spent longer in that stage of let's just put down some rough highlights across the entire miniature instead of just doing it to his one boot or his shoulder or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that comes back to when you see um, these painters that, that paint that way or start that way Mm -hmm. on the palette, they have access to every base color or surface style or whatever at their fingertips. Because sometimes okay. that's how we work is we're like, well, I'm just going to bring out my browns and my yellows and maybe some, some ivories and some, some blacks so I can do all the leather and all shades of it. And okay. if that's it, it, too much to do work in one section. But if you want to work on everything, it's like, okay, my general highlight color, all the base colors that I'm going to need and what other colors I'll be mixing into them. Um, this is why I want to start working more with the Camara paints. I decided um, there's something I want to talk about and something new I've tried in the after party today that makes me excited to try Camara paints again. And so okay. I think like just having access to the basic colors and just doing everything at once. Cause I think having all those volumetric highlights and seeing the total contrast of highlights and shadows and base tones all at once in that initial stage will, will tell you how close you are and tell you what you need to tweak before you start moving on. Yeah. You know, the area that I struggle with the most when it comes to just throwing on thick and opaque highlights and shadows is getting the size of the highlight correct. Yeah. Um, and man, yeah. Like if someone was like, paint this shoulder pad to end up like from a space Marine, paint it to end up looking turquoise without blending, without, without nursing the shoulder pad for an hour, you have two minutes I want to see the correct amount of contrast and I also want to see where all the highlights and shadows should go. Go. Make it read as teal. I would 
I would fail. But holy cow, that sounds like a really interesting thing that you could do 10 times in a row with 10 different shoulder pads. Yeah. You got four colors, get the right contrast, get the right highlight on a shoulder pad, two minutes, go. And it's just like, yeah, that'd be really interesting to try that out. Uh, I kind of want to. I know. Uh, But yeah, I would suck at that a lot. How about you? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it's like, okay, you need it to read as color X, but it still needs to have depth and shadow and highlight, but still read as color X. That's the hard part sometimes. Yeah. It's like, it's teal, but like, I mean, I need, my eye needs to immediately see it and see teal, but yet still build up lighter than that and still be darker with other shades that aren't teal. And, and so a lot of times yeah. you just kind of, you just kind of like, we go with what our brain thinks it would look like without reference. And then when you complete it and you're like, if you just show it to someone that doesn't know miniature painting, they would tell you a color that's not teal. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I know that feeling. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't want to. I kind of want to say that's that's the most important skill you can have as a miniature painter. Actually, maybe even a painter in general, being able to realize the volumes of something and to be able to accurately interpret it quickly. Uh, that might even make painting more enjoyable for you because that would just mean you have to nurse the model less if you just get it right in the first place. Mm-hmm. There's I think a, so. There's an ex, there's an experiment for you. That's a, you train that skill. You'll enjoy painting more. I have no idea. Well, and I think that skill is so universally translatable. If you can do that, then no matter what you're painting, it, it, suddenly it's not the issue anymore because you you have a, an understanding that applies to everything that you put a brush to. Yeah. You know what? I, in the course of chatting in this podcast, and this is not the first time this has happened. I I am constantly coming up with video ideas. <laughs> I know. I need to write these things down. I can. T- That's a great. I, I want to do that totally. I can tell. You need to have uh, give your uh, your editor of the podcast a, a notebook and say, "I will give you a nickel for every idea for a video." <laughs> <laughs> a nickel that you pull out of this. Yikes! <laughs> and seven John bucks. <laughs> Uh, she can, yeah, she can, the, she can have some John currency Bucks. of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, she can have some John. Okay, Bucks. well, I I think we need to get back to the conversation here. Are because I think we kind of fell away, which is okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, having fun and improving are they mutually exclusive? Um, I could. It depends on the kind of person you are. If you enjoy painting, like I enjoy playing video games, I think they are not mutually mutually exclusive. I think if you enjoy getting down into the crunchy details of what makes something tick and why something operates the way it does, and you have a, a fun time exploring that, mm-hmm. trying to figure out for yourself uh, why or why it is or isn't working, I think you could definitely uh, uh, get better at painting and also enjoy it. But that's a very specific kind of person, and I don't think the majority of people are like that. Yeah, it needs uh, this very like scientific analytical mindset that coupled with a ton of patience, <laughs> yeah. Cu- coupled with an artistic desire because that's the method we're using here. And suddenly that person, I'm like, does that person exist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I need all these things in my bubbling cauldron. <laughs> yeah, and and they probably they probably do exist, and they probably will get the comments below of of those folks. But and that's right. awesome. That's awesome. You you are yeah. you you are a unicorn. You need to be sent to a preserve and <laughs> and uh a preserve for many painters right yeah well i mean yeah we get, we sent to a preserve where carol baskins can look over you and make sure that nobody takes you or your cubs 
All right. Okay, so what else is there to discuss about this? All right, I I, t- I came at it my first kind of statement of from a get better perspective. So I want to kind of take it from the other perspective, a have fun perspective. What if your your goal or what you just want to do when you sit down to paint is to relax, um, very soothing um, experience of painting a miniature. Can you get better with that mode, that mindset, that approach? Can you get better? You can get better. I th- I mean, without a doubt, you can get better because you can get better because you're spending more time with the technical, um, mechanical skills of putting paint to mini. So there's a mm-hmm. lot of this in terms of you increasing your, um, your manual dexterity, um, your hand-eye coordination, steadiness, mm-hmm. all that stuff. If all you did was paint base coats, um, and of, of each separate surface of models, that's all you did every day for a year. You never highlighted, you never shadowed, whatever. If you were to look at your first mini in that year and your last mini in that year at how much more crisp and detailed and in the, the surfaces having a nice fight, you know, a nice dividing line would be the, the improvement would be vast because you're simply going through the motions. So if you want to paint to have fun and that, and you just don't want to get all worried about getting better, you just want to paint to have fun and that makes you paint more, you're going to get better because you're painting more than somebody that's, you know, it's like, I'm only going to paint one model every six months and it's going to be the best model ever that person's not going to get as good as quickly because you're, you're painting more models. Now you will get to a point where you're going to have to um, add new tools to your toolbox, where you're going to have to add new um, techniques and, and try adventurous things to get to that next level. At that point, my question to you is, is it still relaxing, soothing, laid back fun or is it I need to actively focus on how this technique works and how do and how is this working in real time and adjusting and and, and referencing and, and all this suddenly is that the same mode? I would argue that it's not that it's not the same thing at that point and maybe you just jump in there for ten minutes and then you jump back out to your comfort zone you jump in you jump out but it's those moments within where you're stressing or you're putting more on yourself to improve that aren't the laid back, fun, just de-stress moments in the painting. What do you think of that? Am I wrong? I don't think there's a wrong or right, but do you? Yeah, no, what you're saying definitely makes sense. And what you're saying made me think of something. Um, when I was little and I painted, I didn't give a crap about getting better. And I just painted. I didn't care if I was messing up a base coat. I didn't care if the model looked bad in the end. In the end, I had a painted model and I was happy about that. Yeah. But as adults, we kind of get more, we get more self-critical, right? Mm-hmm. So during the process, you're putting on a base coat, and you're like, "Oh, what's going on? Why is there texture in this spot? I didn't, I didn't, I, don't, I didn't notice that." And in the moment, you're being self-critical and, and analyzing your mistakes. And what I'm curious about is, people always say they paint and it's relaxing. Can you be a beginner and paint and it be relaxing and be making mistakes as an adult and just still be enjoying your time? Mm. You know what I mean? It's not the mistakes that you just aren't aware of. It's the mistakes you can see but are just okay with. Yeah, it's like, what kind of, 
I feel like you need to be incredibly emotionally mature to be able to just, or maybe just more mature than I am, which is not hard. Um, <laughs> uh, to be able to just sit there, sling paint as a newbie and paint like I did when I was 10 years old and be like, I don't, I don't care, dude. I'm just, I'm chilling. I'm relaxing. I find that so hard to believe from my perspective. Cause like whenever I'm painting, I am, I'm just in my own head all the time. Yeah. Like this one thing I did, how can I make that better the next time? Like why, why did that happen? Uh, okay. How did I, what lesson did I learn from this tiny little mistake that I just made that no one else is ever going to hear about? Cause it's only in my head right now. Yep. Yep. I'm just so in my own shit. I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't imagine a person who could know they're making mistakes and not have some kind of mental discomfort about that. Yeah. It's ne- it's never a Bob Ross joy of painting moment in my head when I'm painting like that, <laughs> that, that crap never goes on. There's no like happy, there's, there's no happy little clouds. It's just like this stupid white cloth crap. Why, why, why do you suck so much? Why do I suck so much? Like this is, that's and that's I mean that's just maybe us, but you know what? Here's yeah. the thing. I think you're you're onto something, and there's something. There's a deeper lesson in that. In that, when we're kids, we live in the same world as the adults in the time, but we're so much more sheltered and have bigger blinders on to all the depth of worries and detail and 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 possibilities and and fears that adults have we're just we just deal with that so we have so much more absorption to everything that is a stress and that the world gives to us so much more than Mm -hmm. a child um unless unfortunately a child is is put into that kind of position at a young age which can be incredibly scarring because they're not emotionally ready for it yet Mm -hmm. um but that nine-year-old scott just doesn't have all the other things that adult Scott has to deal with. And when, when adult Scott has to go through day-to-day life with those certain things always hovering, always in the back of your mind, always worried about, always stressing about, always thinking, 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 thinking about 100 things at once. Adult Scott cannot remove that from his brain when he sits down to paint. That is a becomes a part of your psyche. And so yeah. it, it is now wormed its way into how you paint because that's how your brain operates on a daily basis. Now, there are probably people that would say, you two need to do some meditation homes. Um, <laughs> you know, and, like you need to just find a way that you can find your Zen place and to be able to like remove yourself from your body and have this mental state and, and you can experience this bliss while you're painting. And I mean, like I agree with you. I don't know uh, Gandhi. So, <laughs> dude, let me tell you, if I ever found that one time, it'd be like a drug to me. Yeah. And I'd be like, how the hell do I get that again? Yeah. And I would I would search for it. Yeah. Just to get into a flow state of painting where you're just, time melts away and you're just like, yeah, I don't know. Like your 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 painting is an expression of your being. I don't, I don't know. I yeah. don't know what I'm saying it right. Yeah, now. <laughs> like reality. You're not. You're no longer in this plane of existence. And all things associated <laughs> with physical Scott are no longer. And it's just yeah. this <laughs> invisible hand that you are guiding through a brush to this thing. 
I feel like yes. the closest thing that I know of this is 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 like Roman the Pot. Does he kind of paint like? I mean, we're we're obviously talking about like next level, like high on shrooms version of this, but like, <laughs> but doesn't is, I feel like that? Like he has this kind of a, an approach that is not about all the other details, not about society, not about doing it for others, not about focusing on all these other things. Is I mean, I don't know. You talk to him. You talk to him on the internet. Why don't you tell me, Scott? I would say a characteristic of professionals in all of their fields is that they're able to in, able to engage in the term is a flow state. Um, it is uh, like they intentionally lock themselves away. I've read a book about this. Uh, they lock themselves away. Uh, they turn off distractions and what they are doing becomes meditation. Uh, so it's not specifically mindfulness or anything like that, but the act, whatever it is, whether it's long distance running mm. or painting miniatures in this case, um, becomes their form of meditation. And it's something that, that you have to practice to be able to do. Um, but that's a very common characteristic for professionals that are at the top of their field. I feel like there's probably books on this and those are the next purchases for our quarantine purchase club. Should f- I've read some. Do you want one? Yeah. About okay. flow state? Yeah, I do. I okay. want to I want to be able to hack the matrix and <laughs> I see yes. I see everything in green ones and zeros. That's what I want. <laughs> yeah, I used to I, I worked at, you know, uh at Cray software engineering place and I had a friend uh who was always reading books about this stuff because he was always in his own head trying to figure out how to like just like you said, like hack your own brain. Mm-hmm. Um so he gave me a few recommendations and I read one of them. Um, and yeah, it's good. It's enlightening. I think, I mean, that's one side, you know, of this thunder and lightning, that's the thunder. And then the lightning is, I think this kind of higher level of meditation. I think that's, that's gotta be something here. If, if there's any sprues and spruettes that have some like experience or knowledge or, or professional understanding of this stuff, um, please do share that and, and, and let us know or reach out to me and say like, you need to read this book or watch this. Yeah. yeah. Or have somebody else read it to me if I'm Scott, cause I don't really read books. Excuse me. Nothing. I was just, I coughed there. It kind of got stuck in my throat. Excuse <clears> me. Are you, are you assuming that I don't read books? You know, I, I know at least 30 words. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True. I, I, you're right. You do know that many. So. <laughs> I take it back. I take it all back. Take it all back, baby. John has a hatred for audiobooks. I don't have a hatred of audiobooks. I have hatred. Unfounded. I have hatred of people that listen to audiobooks. <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of the same thing? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I He's I can I see. <laughs> like, if you're like over the road trucker, like, yeah, absolutely. You should like that's awesome. That's totally a, an amazing thing. But it's like. You're a function, a fully functioning adult. Wait, are you saying that truckers aren't fully functioning adults? No, I'm not. But wait, wait, no, they, they don't have, they're spending so much time where they can learn and engage and take in, you know, inform information or entertainment And an audiobook is a great example for that. But if you have, I'm talking about people that like actively like sit on their ass and choose to listen to somebody read instead of reading themselves. And no, I'm just giving you a hard time. I understand what you're saying. I, and, and there are like people that do running and people that you're on bike rides or you, you know, you're, you drive a lot and you 
do that for work, if you have to commute and get tr- rush hour and stuff like that, absolutely. Like audiobooks are a great thing. Podcasts as well. Uh, obviously, we're on a podcast. You should listen to podcasts <laughs> instead of reading uh, instead of audiobooks. Uh, Trapped under plastic. <laughs> hobby. Podcast for the miniature hobby enthusiast. I, I just think it's not as much that I'm against audiobooks as that I'm just so scared of our society not being well-read and not understanding the value of reading on a daily basis. I mean, reading is so stinking important and you just saying like reading emails or reading forums or whatever is the same thing. And it's kind of not, it's kind of not. So I just encourage folks to, to read. It's, it's better for all of us as a, as a people's so our society doesn't crumble. We all start throwing poop at each other and finger painting everybody else's monkeys. So don't, <laughs> don't do that. I'm currently reading a book called Rulers of the Dead, which is two books put together. The second one being about Neferata and Warhammer lore. I almost finished that one. And then next up, I actually have the books next to me that I'm reading. Um, one is Genevieve Undead, which is another uh, Warhammer vampire lore book. And then that, another one. That one's that got started. such a cool cover. Dude, yeah, the whole horror series have like all red paint and uh, red paint, red paper. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be a horror book. I'm excited to read that. Mm. And then I also bought the Von Karstein Wars Ooh. Um, trilogy. Sorry, Vampire Wars about all about Von Karstein. And I finished the first book, and there's two, two more, three more, I think. Um, I can't remember, but it's all about the family of the Von Karsteins in Sylvania and the Empire and the old world of Warhammer. So those are on those are on deck. You are a reader. I take it all back. You are and I, I, I give you a hard time, but you do read quite a bit, so uh dude, compared to my wife, I'm a goddamn child. <laughs> she's she's putting back one, two books a week. Um she's in she's in a book club too. She's she's crazy. Wow. That is good. See, she's gonna like she's gonna reach a next higher level of enlightenment, and she'll be, she'll be the one that's like as the the apocalypse and the world is crumbling and everything falls and in, <laughs> falls into fissure. She will be like this hovering being that will like pick you up and take and take and take you to the cloud city. <laughs> she's just floating on like a, a cloud made of her own like psyche and like cell and like in conscious. Yeah, she's just yeah. She has a third eye and a forehead. <laughs> uh, so you'll be you'll be glad you married that one in, in the future. <laughs> yeah, when that day comes. When it comes. When it comes. Yeah. Before we before we kind of um, transition over to the next area, I just I think it's important to understand that there's not always finite definitions of terms, and we all underst- we all know that the the word fun. But our definition personally and how we interpret fun can be different. And is fun different than satisfaction? And is satisfaction Uh more of what we're talking about sometimes here? Or or what do you view as fun? And so I understand this this topic is a a lot more depth and more psychology involved in in this and how we each as individuals function. Um, And we're kind of casting wide swaths of paint Again, bringing back an old school term from the podcast um, <laughs> in our description of this. And I know that, um, I, I mean, some of what we say, I'll, I'll say myself specifically, I, I push to an area that is, is, a, is a far side of the argument. And that, that doesn't mean that I'm like, oh, I'm so obsessed with, with my, that I'm right and 
you think differently, you're wrong. That's not the case here. Um, I just think it's good to look at it from far ends and then understanding the, the borders will help us understand where we feel we fit or where we think we might lie somewhere in the middle. So anything else to talk about in this one, Scotty? No, but I, I also agree with that approach to having an argument You're trying on a different suit. You're like going over here. Okay. I'm going to have this opinion and see how I see how I can defend it. Okay. I'm going to go over here, have this opinion and see how I can defend it and see what feels better and feels more right uh, for me. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's, that's a good way to kind of dissect a, a hard to argue about topic like, like this is and one that is so personal. Yep. Um, no, I think we're good. I think we can move on to some newsy news. Oh, of which there is some. I'll kick us off here. Okay. Do you know a little short sci-fi series on YouTube called Astartes, John? Um, I have heard of it. I have not watched it, but I've heard of it. Brother, do yourself a fucking favor. I fucking hate Space Marines. I don't know why I'm swearing all of a sudden. <laughs> uh, I hate Space Marines, and this short is amazing. Is this okay. the one where like three minutes per episode or is it longer Something than like that? that? Okay. It's like, it's like between two and five minutes, possibly maybe seven. Wow. Okay. But let me tell you, let me tell you. Okay. A lot of stuff goes into making a good narrative piece. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then this has another layer of complexity because it's all CGI. It is all computer generated imagery. None of it's real. So not only do not always all the normal narrative difficulty there, was what to show, what the dialogue should be or what it shouldn't be, mm-hmm. um, how to do the editing, how to do the cuts, but also making it not look like ass. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. And if it's, if it's anything I can say about this short, it's that the CGI is amazing. It's it's fantastic. And it's a single freaking dude. Uh, it's super good, but not only is it super good, it, it, it really gives you... It, <laughs> It shows Space Marines in the light that every Space Marine fanboy tries to convey to people like me who hate them what Space Marines are. It makes them look so fucking badass. And mm. it's it, 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 it's, it has, a, has a, a mood. It's great. It's a great piece of film. If you haven't seen Astartes Part 1 through 5, you are in luck. It is a great short film. You should watch them all five right now on your lunch break or whatever time. Stop watching this podcast. Well, actually, don't do that. After do the after podcast. podcast. After the podcast. Right, right. It's a great short film. Part five just came out. It's the end to the short. He wants to make more stuff. Uh, whoever this person is, it's amazing. Oh, this is it. this is it. This is like the ending. This is this is this is the ending to this short film. But oh. there there are other stories that he wants to tell in the Warhammer universe. This is like super. Um, this is like super popular. This series, isn't it? It's like I, I mean, I hear about it. Views. Hear about it all over the place and everything. Like I wonder why G, yes. GW hasn't gotten their shit together and like locked this dude down. I have no idea. Been, uh, but yeah, the newest one's out. It's got three point six million views. The other ones have similar view counts. Um, <sighs> It's nuts. It's it, it deserves it. The amount of work in this series, definitely. Um, that's my first bit of news. Uh, my bit of news is that good friends over at Broken Toad Miniatures have set an official date for the launch of their newest Kickstarter, 
which would be mm. April 24th, which is the Labyrinth and Dark Crystal Miniatures. And oh man, if you know the quality of Broken Toad Minis, then these things look so good. And especially if, you, <laughs> if, if you're a fan of Jim Henson, you're a fan of these characters, you're a fan of these films, which if you're not, um, what the hell have you done with your life? <laughs> But you, I mean, you need to watch them right now because David Bowie, David Bowie with a codpiece is the best, you know, the best TV you can watch. Um, and so it's, they just look so amazing and I'm so excited for this to launch and I'm sure this is going to be another thing on my list of things that I buy in the quarantine. <laughs> quarantine buys. Quarantine <laughs> buys. Like it's, we're going to have like a, we're going to have two piles of shame. It's like, here's my pre-quarantine pile of shame, and here's everything I bought since the pile of shame. And I'm supposed to have been painted so much more because I was quarantined. And actually, I did paint a lot more, but then I bought more than I actually painted, so I'm actually worse off than the beginning. That's my prediction. When this is all said and done, folks, you're all going to have bigger piles of shame than when this started. <laughs> Maybe if you're like John, you will. Yeah, oh yeah, I will. I'm just making myself feel better and saying, all y'all, you're all just like me. You're all terrible people too. <laughs> um, you know, I I've never seen anything related to this series, whether it's a TV show or a movie or anything. Um, you need to. So I have. You need to watch Labyrinth. Like you guys are, you guys are watching movies lately. You will like it. It's dark. It's weird, but it's it's that meets a, a traditional fairy tale. There's some creepiness bro, to it. You need to bro, you need to watch it. Everything you just said, it's weird, it's creepy, it's dark, it's 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 a traditional fairy tale. You know what that what that makes me think of? I've been trying to get Amber to watch the movie Return to Oz. Have you seen that movie? I don't think so. Okay, it's no. the sequel to The Wizard of Oz. Oh, is it a re- it's a recent one, right? No, oh. no, it's not. It's in the 80s. Uh, it's one of those movies that I watched a lot as a child, maybe like three or four times. I don't know why, but it's a sequel to, uh, the wizard of Oz, but it doesn't have Judy Garland in it. And it's not a sequel to the movie, but rather the book, mm. the book is very dark and twisted. Yep. And the, the, the fricking movie is a, is a fricking trip. The main villain is, uh, queen Mombi, and she has a variety of different women's heads in cabinets and she takes them out and puts them on as she sees fit. So like, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Um, Dorothy is in a psych ward because of the crazy stuff. She came back from, uh, wherever she was. And she's like, I saw a talking tin man, a talking lion. It's like, Dorothy, you're crazy. Go to the psych ward. Wow. That's yeah. It's crazy. So I, I imagine if I enjoyed that as a child, which I did, I probably would enjoy Dark Crystal because it's probably similar similar beats and similar feeling. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. I I mean, I would I enjoy Labyrinth much more than Dark Crystal, but I would say start with Labyrinth. Dark Crystal is all puppets. Um, Labyrinth is like people and puppets, so it's like it's okay. like it's like your gateway drug to puppets. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, it they're both good. They're both good in these. The models look crazy. The busts look massive. I can't wait to paint Ludo uh, from from Labyrinth. So that's a big thing. Okay. And then the other one I wanted to bring up for news is related to our friends over at Game Workshop, Games Workshop with their recent announcement. And have you seen this? Have you heard about this, Scotty Boy? 
someone posted a picture of the title of the article in my discord and i thought they would just cut off the last five words that made it all made sense um was it the spiky bits article no i don't know what it was that one's going around a lot gw closed indefinitely yeah i think it was probably this um Someone like took a screenshot of it on their phone, and I was just like, "Wait, there's got to be more to this." Like, did you cut off the other ten words of this headline? Um, and, it, and it seems like they did not, because that is the full headline: "Enclosed indefinitely." Yeah, that's the Spiky Bits article, which is trash news, which is trying to grab clicks, and that's how it is. If actually, what I'd recommend is that folks, if you go to the Games Workshop site, they have a sign up for like an e-newsletter. And that's where I learned about this. They send you an email. They send you an email about all sorts of random stuff. It's not always like a monthly newsletter. It's like, hey, we have an appointment announcement, or hey, we got a new, here's what's releasing this Saturday, and blah blah blah. It's a really nice thing, and it's not obtrusive. I can read the emails, or I can just delete them. And they sent this out, and it's it was a nice, you know, your standard. All the businesses are doing their COVID communications these days, and it was their right. version of, you know, hey, we had said that we were going to have our factories and then our offices closed until i think it was like the 14th of april or 28th or whenever it was and we're here to tell you that that is going to be extended due to the current situation um mm-hmm. and we're, we're not yet comfortable we're, we're we're always considering the the health and safety of our staff and all that kind of stuff so because of that we're not reopening right now and we're we're not sure when we're playing that by basically I'm I'm paraphrasing but they they were saying playing it by ear and as things change they will then reopen when it's deemed safe that okay. is different than the word closed indefinitely is it In, I thought that just meant closed in, an undefined amount yes it, it check technically by by the definition of the word indefinitely you could categorize it as what they said, but oftentimes it's not perceived that way. Indefinitely means could be forever. Feels more like forever. Feels like a long, long, Actually, long, long time. Yeah. The definition is for an unlimited yeah. or unspecified period of time. Um, and definitely the connotation is unlimited. Like it's gone forever kind of thing. Unlimited. <laughs> unlimited power. Um, yeah. So... I mean, that's a big deal, though, because that means that the plants aren't running. The plastic's not coming. The, the plastic isn't flowing. Pla- no plastic <laughs> flow. Um, that means that our whole release schedule for all the new armies and new models and stuff is now all being pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. And so that stinks. I don't want to have stupid conehead elves. You know, I want them behind me. I want them in the rearview mirror. All the models are out. Get the hell out of here. Let's move on to the next thing. But no, yeah, I need my full vampire army. Obviously, that's coming next, right? Yeah, absolutely, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate. Maybe it's good for some people so they can catch up on their backlog. But um, it's fortunate for GW as a company um, that 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 income isn't going to be flowing. Maybe if you want to buy some GW stock now is the time. Maybe in two weeks from now is the time. Um, you can buy their gift certificates. Oh right, yeah. <laughs> save 10 percent yeah <laughs> which maybe if you want to do that just to support gw that's fine too yeah 
Yeah, that's fine. If you're like, I'm going to spend money from them, blah, blah, blah. Although I'd, I'd more strongly encourage you to spend that money or buy gift certificates or do orders from your local stores, your local game stores and stuff. Because sure. GW still makes their money and you're supporting the people locally. So if you can, I'd recommend you do that. Or if you're like, they don't have an online store, they're closed right now. It's like, well, figure out what models you want when they reopen. You know, place that order with your local store right away. Help them get the... Grease the old monkey. <laughs> I mean, grease the wheel. I don't know. Grease the monkey sounds better. Yeah, just repeat. We should just keep using monkey for all kinds of different phrases. Yep. Finger paint the monkey. Grease the monkey. Grease paint. Grease finger paint. The monkey. Yeah, that works. That works. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, there actually is a paint that's like kind of grease. Robin buff. It's kind of like a grease paint. Oh yeah. You put it on, you rub it on, and then like you can literally buff it. I think it has metal in it. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, that's kind of a grease paint. I think I have an AK interactive enamel paint that's called like grease engine grease. So I can oh, okay. I can grease paint. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so as we come to the finale of our first ever uh fully virtual episode of this podcast, what what do you think, Scott? How do you think we did? Um I think there are some problems we can work out. Um, uh, a lot of times your internet is cutting out and I can't hear what you're saying. And so I have to kind of guess how I should react. Yeah. Uh, like, like, was that funny or was that a serious thing? I don't know. Yeah, yours is doing the same thing for me too. So it's oh, okay. Good. That's good to know. I don't know so, where yeah. it lies, but it's somewhere. I probably blame the like two people in my house are on seven devices right now. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I have gig. All my dogs have cell phones. They're, they're, on, they're, they're on Instagram right now. <laughs> they got to submit their research to the laboratories because they're labs in lab coats. Yes. <laughs> I heard that joke. I heard that one. Um, yeah, there's some technical things here that I don't know how much we're going to be able to work with. But um, yeah, I think overall, pretty good. Pretty good. Not as much as just like laying back and like being jokey and that kind of stuff. I feel like that's a little bit removed. But anyway, you guys let us know what you think. Mm -hmm. um, if we suck and you never want to hear from us again, we'll understand. But if you do, <laughs> if you do, there are ways to support us. Scotty Boy, why don't you kick it off with ways that you can support Absolutely. Trapped Under Plastic. There are a number of ways to support the channel, both free and not free. Some free ways are subscribing to the Trapped Under Plastic YouTube channel. Uh, sharing our podcast with your nerd friends or everywhere where you can find typical podcasts. You can find all the stuff linked in the show notes and also the description for the video. Some non-free ways uh, you can um, buy merch from us. We have a Teespring store where you can buy a sweater or a t-shirt um, or a related t-shirt uh, with our sick logo on it. Uh, and you can also support us on Patreon. Uh, there's a $2 level. Um, and also a $5 level. And the five buck level gets you access to the after party, which is an extended episode of the podcast where we talk about a few things. One, a favorite mantra that we have from someone else in the community. Um, another thing is we critique one of your guys' miniatures. Uh, so you can submit miniatures for us to give feedback on. And then finally, we talk about something new that we experimented with in the last two weeks, whether it was a failure or a success or somewhere in the between. But yeah. Those are all the ways you can support us. I think you got it. You got them all, Scott. I feel like our our, our our internet connection has gotten worse as the over the last hour. Like the first hour, it was solid, 
and now it's feeling like we're we're going to a crawl here. Maybe maybe everybody's up and they're all surfing the internet and watching Netflix at the same time. So they're all soaking up the bandwidth, right? Just now. sucking it all up. Well, I'm on dedicated gig, so they ain't stealing mine. I'm just gonna blame it on you, um, <laughs> as is customary. So I hope you yeah. guys enjoyed this uh, special and also not special because this is gonna be our format going forward indefinitely and hopefully not forever because I don't want Scott moving away because if he would have already moved to Washington uh, instead of Minnesota, uh, they had a lot more infections. And so there, so yeah. on you. So, yeah, Amber, take that. Take that. We're in, like, one of the best states in the entire country, and you're also in the state with the best hospital in the world. So, come on, Amber. Boom. Stay home. (laughs) Stay alive. (laughs) Don't get the T-virus. All right. The (laughs) the (laughs) T-virus. We will see everybody in two weeks from the publishing of this Monday. And until then, we will catch you on the flippity-flop.